And honestly, I think that's the last time I'm going to buy a collectible off of that website. Wish.com. You should ask for a refund. Water Games, i.e. the worst collectible site ever. But no, I didn't buy anything off of there because they're trash and they're manipulating the market for classic games and ruining used games for everyone. Welcome to Banter Banter, listeners. So it wasn't Wish.com. No. Yeah, trust me, there's no genie in that bottle. You know, now I realize why they made fun of Breath of the Wild and said that all of the weapons in that game are made out of dreams and wishes because you would have had to have ordered a sword from Wish to have it break that quick on you. I don't know if I would be more upset on buying it from Wish and having it break or spending 12 hours sharpening it so that I can kill something in Monster Hunter. Oh, is that how you feel about it, my co-host Mike? Yeah, just one of my random thoughts while sitting here at the corner of nostalgia and reality. Well, scoot over a little bit. You need to make some room for our other co-host, Aaron. Huh? See, there he is. Don't worry, I brought both of you great fold-out chairs that I didn't buy on Wish. Well, at least we know their durability will be slightly higher. 5% 5% higher. Do you know why they call it Wish.com? Because you have to wish for it to show up at your house on time? Because you'll be wishing you never made that purchase. Ba-dum-tsh. Yeah, I'll throw somebody 99 cents. Blockbuster. No one's thought about bringing it back the way they have Toys R Us. Just insert yourself into a different physical store location, and you too can be just like Toys R Us. There is that one blockbuster that's hanging in there. I don't know if you've ever listened to their Twitter feed or read their Twitter feed, but it's actually pretty good. Isn't it the one that'll let you rent it out at night? Yeah, it's like they no longer have late fees. It's fun. Not as fun as like Reddit per se, but it's worth a chuckle or two. No, no, no. <laughs> Mike read it.com. And then I ate it being time. You know, if we didn't slap your Twitter handle at the end of every episode, I'm sure that would be one of those original ARG games where people have to decipher your very cryptic messages to try and figure out how to follow you. Sometimes I like to be cryptic. Sometimes I wish I was a cryptid. You know, octopus face monster that consumes people's souls and steals their memories making vague comments that nobody can follow. Oh, a lobotomy. I get it. They're basically the same, right? So, I guess you've had D&D on the brain. I am not mentally equipped to come up with a good joke for the anagram (laughs) at this current moment. But no, the reason I bring up D&D is because it's a franchise that's been around for a long time and i guess as of a couple of months ago it got an announcement for having a movie made up at yield comic-con a new dungeons and dragons movie right it's gonna be live action wasn't the first one live action mixed with cg but humans doing the acting i vaguely remember it but Sure, give us a whatever about it. Didn't it have one of the Waynes brothers in it? Cue the trailer park!
This movie was released in 2000. Dungeons and Dragons movie. It came out in 2000. And it got a 3.6 out of 10. What was it about? I barely remember. There was a dragon. There were a few humans. Maybe an elf. A dwarf. It was not very good. If my brain remembers much from 22 years ago. And vaguely scanning at this trailer, it looked like they snagged the princess from the never-ending story and slapped her into Dungeons and Dragons. And there's Marlon Wayans. Yeah, I see the film now from 2000. From 2000. It had Jeremy Irons in it, though. Yep, and the dragons look like something reminiscent of live-action shows around the time of the Power Rangers. They tried. And legitimately, you can't say that it isn't at least as good as any campaigns you have run. I just didn't have millions of dollars to work with to make my personal campaign function. But I am a little jealous that they got the actor who played Riff Raff, to be in this Dungeons and Dragons from 2000. For those of you who don't know who Riff Raff is, he is one of several enjoyable characters in my personal view from the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show. A lot of action sequences definitely showing you a lot of dragons and dungeons. You get a pretty good summary of the plot throughout the dynamics of the main characters a bit. Honestly, I gotta say, for as cringe as the movie looks by today's standards, that's a really well-put-together trailer. It's not a bad trailer. I will definitely agree. I recall the movie not being anywhere as good as the trailer sold it. If it was based just off of the trailer, I would probably watch this. I would and did watch it, because the trailer was pretty solid. And after actually turning the audio on, I've gotta say, there was something about that 90s, early 2000s trailer voice, that voiceover, in a time before dungeons, there was a dragon. And here we are, now, that dragon found a dungeon. Something about that sultry, but slightly forceful tone. I don't know who that guy is, but he kind of makes me think of movie phone. You've dialed movie phone. Press three to hear the movies in your local area. But actually, Mike, you're talking about sequels. There was actually two sequels to this movie. Yeah, clearly they weren't good enough for anybody to remember, aside from you. I do not think they even got theatrical releases. I'm pretty sure they were either TV movies or direct-to-video movies. They didn't even get direct-to-home releases. They were just aired in the back alley of a CVS on a mostly white bedsheet <laughs> from some guy's van. <laughs> the director didn't even get a chance to make a preview for it. No trailer for this trailer park. The media we consume kind of already represents a lot of broader ideas. And I guess what the overall point of bringing up D&D &D and any other property we bring up now is 
that art imitates life. And if you notice the old way people used to represent the different D&D races has changed very dramatically, particularly in recent recent years, but it is very different from the olden years where essentially D&D races were shorthand for stereotypes. You know, I feel like I probably should have known that the different races were shorthand for stereotypes, but also I never thought enough into it to recognize that. A lot of it kind of grandfathers in from, let's say, some of the oldest high fantasy to inspire current D&D fantasy realm type stuff, and that's J.R.R. Tolkien. Why is it that even by today's standards, if you're going to ask, let's say, a group of all of your friends each to quickly come up with the roleplay character of a dwarf, most of them are going to give him a gaudy Scottish accent, or at the very least, a very gruff demeanor. Look, I don't know what you're trying to say about things, but I don't like it one bit. I'm not good at Sean Connery. And then the other trope tends to be that they don't get along well with elves. (sighs) Racists. Meanwhile, elves... Hate everybody? While you do have a wider variety of them, they do always seem to come off, like you said, as either that or a bit more arrogant or... They just kind of look down at other races, which all of these stereotypes have been, because they are sources of fantasy and creative fiction, all have well-built-in justifications. Like, let's say the elves, it's usually because they live longer than most other races, either indefinitely or in some versions or iterations, just much, 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 much longer than any other race. Hundreds to thousands of years, so you see a different progression of everyone else. And because of that, that does tend to give them a general, I guess, detached attitude towards the trials and tribulations of the more short-lived races. This too shall pass. Meanwhile, dwarves seem to have this very steeped in... Whiskey? Beer? I guess ancient culture where they work hard and they drink hard. If you think about it, all of them are short, stout Scottish people. I can get behind their mentality about drinking hard. Also xenophobic. Yeah. Especially if there's no hangover. I can skip all the other stuff. I would almost say that to its credit, while it does kind of present you a playground, a play space where stereotypes are laid down and encouraged, it does also make you keenly aware of how much more they're represented in that world. And if you've noticed the way a lot of people have run games recently, a popular thing has always been to create a character of a certain race, but have them step outside of those boundaries. They are oftentimes, there's at least one standout character in most parties where They're of a particular race, and they do not behave as towards the stereotype of that. It's gotten enough to where full discourses have happened on the D&D subreddit, going up to the point where I think even Wizards of the Coast has started downplaying a lot of the old, hard stereotypes for races. I can see that concept, and I'm not sure what started it, but... I think to fit in with your earlier statement, 
art imitates life, and societally, we've started to, as a large group, has started recognizing, accepting, and trying to better the societal issues of those that are on the fringes that are not part of the majority because they deserve and have the right to have a voice be heard, be acknowledged, and be accepted. And that societal change is impacting the things that we discuss in any other format, such as D&D, video games as a whole, tabletop games, or just generic conversation. I would say there are a lot of terms I know I used poorly in junior high and high school that I know are right out. I cannot use them anymore because I've become a better human and acknowledged the things that those word choices cause to the people that they're normally associated with, even though I never had the intent of being vitriolic towards them because I just didn't recognize. So... It's good that the gaming industry is evolving, that D&D is evolving. This is important. The term you used, which I think is kind of akin to normalization, I think is really important in terms of media. The way it flows is it goes from representation of a group that we want to include. So you go from that to acceptance, as you said, and then it begins to normalize. And I think that's probably the ultimate goal to a lot of these things is, yes, we're trying to bolster a lot of those, just any community that's different or disparaged because of current society, and eventually get it to where these groups can show up or be mentioned or bring anything that's important to them that is tied to being part of that group or that culture. To exist, to be represented in games. And nobody bats an eyelash. Obviously, there can be positive praise from it, but by that point, when you get to where nobody in a significant capacity can pitch a fit about them just being there. I will say something that I've recently noticed, and when I noticed it, I wasn't surprised. It was more of a back-of-the-mind note because of this conversation we're having that it connected it. I have recently been playing on my Oculus 2, The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners. And there was a pickup mission that I got, and it was about a guy who said he's been separated from his lover, and he wants help getting them to escape. And his lover was a guy. It wasn't played up, it was just the guy's talking to you, and he's like, my boyfriend's still on the other team, and I need you to deliver this note. Just ran through it, super simple, and I was like, in the back of my head, hey, this is something that I know we were going to talk about. This is like everyday life. I don't care who the other person is. Everyday life in the zombie apocalypse? You know, everyday life in the zombie apocalypse. Everyday on life in the zombie <laughs> apocalypse? You smash one zombie in the head with a frying pan... Because it doesn't have any durability, so it'll last forever. Best weapon ever. Sure, it takes a few extra wax, but like... My zombie apocalypse life. <laughs> Coming this fall to ABC. My so-called zombie life. Because I feel like a zombie in that game. If I could move us to another property and concept, I did want to bring up the whole idea about environmentalism. 
in games. And I know this is something we had a larger episode on when you and I, Mike, had talked about stuff like Captain Planet and Final Fantasy VII and the environmentalist messages in them. I know Sonic the Hedgehog also had a very anti-industrialist thing. Oh, yeah. Tying it back to Tolkien, as much as he said that it wasn't about World War II, there was definitely analogs for the Lord of the Rings stuff that happened with the Dark Forces that mirrors the ugliness of war and industrialization. There's definitely a heavy anti-industrialist theme in that, too. I don't know if you guys have any other examples for that, but in general, I guess I want to say, at least for myself, I feel like our generation was brought up to be very keenly aware of messages like protect the environment, don't pollute, don't scatter trash everywhere. I feel like the movie Wally paints like the worst case scenario for what could happen to Earth. <laughs> and humanity, but that's a separate conversation. Yeah. You think that movie would have reached the audience in that screening room? Yeah. But when I went to go see it in theaters, I stuck around till they turned the lights back up. I look around at the movie theater and it is the same trash heap that you're used to at most cineplexes. Just everybody leaves cups and popcorn and whatever they dropped on the floor. And you would think that a movie like Wally would have reached people to where at least during that movie, at the conclusion of it, they'd have been like, you know what? I'm going to carry my trash out. What? No. There's people that are paid to do that, and if I do their job for them, what are they gonna do? I would say that's the bare minimum. What would be really impressive if you got your trash plus the trash of two other people on the way. Right? Eventually you're stealing wallets and stuff because you ran out of trash and you're still having to take two things? Right. Honestly, Mike hit the nail on the head. Because there are... Uh, I forgot what they're called. Employees? Humans? I think they have a title, like stewards, I guess. Oh, the slightly not as demeaning title as janitor? Cinema has a lot of class, or at least it used to, and a lot of history. I thought there was something... Ushers? Ushers, there we go, thank you. Because they do have ushers, it's human nature to be like, well, they get paid to clean this area, so why should I have to... That's just horrible human thinking. At the core of all humanity, we're selfish first. I always take my trash out. Being selfless is a choice. Being selfish is our default setting. And you have to overcome that human nature to be different. I'd stick with the camping and hiking mental process. If you pack it in, you pack it out. And leave the place cleaner than it was when you showed up. Yeah, that's why every single time my friends and I go to Renaissance Fair, we set up all these little cooking bays and washing bays. And we got trash bags everywhere, and we make sure every scrap of trash is picked up, and then we leave it. It's not hard. It's time-consuming, but no, it's not hard. Sure, it's time-consuming. It really, it doesn't matter whether or not it's hard. It's the right thing to do. Do you want this earth to exist for your elderly years and or your children? For those of you that may not have children, it will impact you in your lifetime. Do you guys remember that commercial? I think it was from the mid to late 90s. It's got this person driving on this road or this highway, and there's a Native American walking around. Played by an Italian man. This one person drives by and just throws out a huge heaping pile of fast food trash, and it lands right at the feet of the Native American. And then the Native American looks up to the camera, and like a single tear is falling from his face. It's heartbreaking to see 
people have such disregard and disrespect for the environment that we've been given. I appreciate your reference, and I think that Manny is correct. They hired an Italian to play that character. Oh, okay. Because back then they were not as forward-thinking. They were not afforded as many opportunities. But it was supposed to be a Native American, though, right? Yes, the intent was correct. The First Nations peoples were not afforded as much opportunities in acting. Even when they try to make a good message, it's still false. (laughs) It would have been a great message if they just hired a correct person to match the culture they're referencing. But back then, they didn't think those things through. And this is a benefit of where we are now. Because I would hope they would have hired a Native American to play that role if that was what they wanted. It's like old school Disney and how they whitewashed a lot of things. Lastly, we do have to make a mention of a lot of video games and how, especially with the shooting genre and their obsession with the world wars, it sort of goes back into that thing where, particularly with the one that I shared with the two of you, the little bit of critique that involved one of Ubisoft's games, The Division. It seems hard to portray, in that game's case, relevant events at the time, and then still turn around and say that having an opinion on these events is not your intent as a publisher, which if you go back to just the other two topics we've been building on with D&D and discussions of race, and then all of these other properties, Sonic, Final Fantasy VII, anti-industrialism. Wally. The thing that I'm trying to wrap it all up together with is so many of these companies will say that there is no message behind this, that their only intent is to entertain. But this is the largest question I want to pose from all of these things. Is life imitating art or is art imitating life? It's a reciprocal concept, to be honest. It's referenced in the art world, for the most part, frequently. Art imitates life, and life imitates art. So if the art is produced to create an idea, life can end up imitating it, and vice versa. Mostly, art imitates life, but there are lots of moments where it is reversed, and we see that, but it's not necessarily recognizable at the moment that that art is produced. Right. I kind of agree with Mike. It's a little bit of both. I definitely think, and I'll tackle this from Mike and I's favorite perspective to run it by, and that's the unblinking, wreathed in flame eye of capitalism. Large studios, publishers, both movie and game studios, would not risk the chance of putting a product out, a piece of fiction out, that had these sorts of messages if they didn't think they didn't appeal to people. So it's not so much that I think that they are saying, oh, we're going to put this out and it's going to influence people. Because if you think about it, a lot of these messages kind of build up to being against what large multi-million, multi-billion dollar corporations would want. But they still put these pieces of fiction out. And I definitely think it's predominantly because they've accepted that this is a message that is popular amongst the people they're targeting their product to. So, yeah, I definitely think it's cyclical, because I also believe that people can see a work of fiction and take ideas with them that might, with additional information and seeing how it relates to real life, 
influence how they think about it and maybe make them embrace a message like that. Right. To continue on y'all's point, I also feel that it is cyclical. And if you'll allow me, I'll use this metaphor. I think art and life are two sides of the same coin and that both feed each other at any given time. Throughout history, we have made many wondrous achievements in art that comes from inspirations of life. And sometimes art is a reminder of where we've been and our flaws, but also our hopes and dreams. So I think when you have these two great forces, it's real easy for one or the other to feed each other and produce at any given time a wonderful piece of art or a fascinating piece of history. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, any final words on this? I would just like to say that a lot of video games use the same reoccurring villains that aren't necessarily villains. I've been actually trying to hunt down the exact quote from the movie Thank You for Smoking, where Rob Lowe makes a reference and he says, you need to get it out of the Rabs. It's like Russian, Arabs, and somebody else. It was an acronym, and I just felt it was a very appropriate concept. Although at the same time, our current climate has one villain that is reoccurring, and we shouldn't be afraid of calling them out, because they are not a race or a culture. They are an ideology, and that's unacceptable to let it exist. You don't let them have that space. Screw Nazis. Get them right out. That is a good thought to close out our episode with. It's a strong note to end on. I agree with it. I'm not disagreeing with it. It was just a very, like, punch. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for coming over to this corner of nostalgia and reality to chat with the boys of banter. Whether you love us or hate us, go ahead and rate us. Remember to hit that subscribe button. If you gotta go out in public, make sure you wash those hands. Wear a mask. Don't touch your face. Don't touch your friend's face. That's a good one. Also, very good advice. Get those immunizations up to date, friend. And, like we were spitballing around with the theater position title, don't be a movie theater steward, because you might just be on fire. Be good or be good at it. Come chat with us about the episode on any of our social media. Look for us on Facebook, at Banter BanterCast. On Twitter, at Banter underscore cast. You can find me, Manny, at Brogar, C-R-E. You can find Aaron at 8BitWizard. The 8 is Roman numerical. And you can find Mike at Mike8Time, the number 8. The podcast cover art was provided to us by at bobbin underscore goblins on Twitter. Or you could find them on Facebook at bobbins, the letter N, goblins. The opening and closing theme is titled Friends by Miracle of Sound. Give it a listen or consider buying it.